Last week we started looking at Seasons of the Soul. If you're here for the first time today, it's great to have you with us, and I hope that this part two will make sense for you. Podcast from last week is available on the website. We're working on the premise that at some point we start our spiritual journey. For me, it was very, very early on. For many of you, I know it's been later on in life. And we call that being born again or being born spiritually. Now, to be completely accurate, it starts before that. God is at work in our lives even before we realize it. And, uh, but today, we're starting from left to right. We're starting at that point where we come to know Jesus for ourselves and we respond to him and we welcome him into our lives. And so that leads us into that first season. In, in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, You have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. When we respond to God, we welcome him into our lives. We enter that season of first love. And that time can be really exciting when we start to experience God, we start to discover not just truth about God, but how amazing it is to know God personally and to experience him. And then we continue to grow by finding a place to belong, a local church, we call that, and by learning. And so that's the second season, learning and belonging. And then from that, we start to serve, and that leads us into the the third season. And we talked last week about that tricky bit at the end of season three, the beginning of season four, when we hit the wall, uh, sometimes called the uh, dark night of the soul. And it's during that season that God is doing some deep work in our lives, uh, bringing us healing, rewiring us internally, challenging our truths, changing all sorts of things uh, that we've believed and that we've become. And at the same time, going deeper into the love of God. And that's what that is all about. All that stuff that's being stripped away, it's about going deeper into the love of God, finding a richer and more fulfilling foundation in our lives. One which we knew was possible, because we've read about it in the Bible, but it starts to become more and more real to us. And that inner transformation brings to us a season of Season five of Convergence, where our gifts, experiences, and ministry all come together in increased fruitfulness, and that continues through into the sixth season of integration. So that's what we looked at last week. Now, just as there are different seasons going through our spiritual journey, God also gives us different tools to help us to be able to grow and to help us to be able to progress through that journey. And so what is on my heart is to help you not just to understand the journey and the different kinds of things that you may go through or that we all go through, um, to help you understand that so that you can progress well without getting stuck, but to help you to grow and to be able to equip you for that journey. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Christ gave these to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So that's what leadership is for in its various forms. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son 
that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Jumping to verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, if you look at that in the Greek, there isn't a single full stop right the way through that. Paul is on a, he's on a roll. There's an incredible flow there of richness. But do you see the imagery there of growth? It talks about becoming mature, about growing and becoming healthy, becoming full of love. This is something that doesn't necessarily happen for us automatically. It is something that we grow into, something that we need to cooperate with God. The message translation talks about being fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ, which I think is a good target for us to aim for. So if we want to become mature spiritually, we need to grow, and if we want to grow, we have to change. And uh, God helps us with that change. So the first heading is the Bible. Let God change you. I mentioned last week some research that was done by the Willow Creek uh, group of churches. Uh, They researched over 500 churches involving 157,000 people. And they found in every single one of these seasons, uh, the most important growth driver was studying the Bible. Not studying it as a theological textbook, but allowing God to speak into our lives and to direct us. And so that's not about getting more head knowledge. And you'll go to some churches, wonderful churches, where the emphasis is on gathering more information. It's head knowledge. Um, But we're talking about heart knowledge. It's not that head knowledge is a bad thing, but we need heart knowledge as well. Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak deep into our lives. And some people find that very uncomfortable. Some people find this church a very uncomfortable church to be in because this is a church where we want to press into God speaking deep into our lives, not just giving us information. You're probably aware the Bible is the most published book and translated into the most languages. What is possibly the oldest fragment of the Bible is here in Oxford at Magdalen College, just across the bridge in the library there. It's a fragment of Matthew 26, which you can see there, which was dated by a guy, a text, textual expert called Carsten Tieder, to have been written in approximately 66 AD. Now, many scholars disagree with that and put it about 100 years later, and uh, there are reasons why one does one and one does the other, but the main reason that people put the date as later is because if the Bible was written earlier, it's more likely to be true, and we're more likely to have to do what the Bible says. So liberal theologians want to date everything as late as possible, because then that opens the way for error to come in. Even if they're right, even if it is a much later dating, we know that the stories of Jesus' life, often called the Gospels, those four accounts, were written down immediately and circulated. Not as you may have been taught at school, that they were all passed on by word of mouth. That's not true. They were written down immediately and circulated. They were definitely written by the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD and were already widely circulated as scripture by that time. So by comparison, one of the earliest Greek histories was written by Tacitus in 180 AD. And he's writing about 
the, the Roman Empire, including the stuff that happened around Jesus' time and before. The earliest copy we have of his manuscripts comes a thousand years after that. And we have a total of 20 manuscripts. Now you compare that with the Bible. The New Testament was written down uh, immediately rather than 100 years later. The earliest copy we have is potentially about 40 years after it was written rather than 1,000 years. And instead of a total of 20 manuscripts, we have 24,000. So just from a documentary point of view, the Bible exceeds anything else that we have. And the Tacitus one is what's normal in uh, the amount of texts that are available and the dating and so on. But the Bible is so much more than uh, an accurate old document. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, Paul says to Timothy, You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When Paul wrote this to Timothy, the Gospels had already been circulated and accepted as Scripture alongside the Old Testament. And uh, we can talk more about that another time if you want to. But as we read God's Word, as we read the Bible, his written Word becomes his spoken Word into our lives. And as Paul says here, it corrects us, it teaches us, it shows us what's wrong in our lives, and it shows us what's good. It has power to bring life and to transform us. It's not like any other book. It is completely unique in bringing life to us. And when we start to read the Bible, allowing the truth to move from our head into our heart, it not only challenges our beliefs and our behavior, but it brings about inner change as God reveals himself to us. The Bible is so much more than a textbook or a book about ethics. And that's why we encourage you to read some of the Bible every day. And if you only have a couple of minutes, just take a couple of minutes. If you've got a bit longer, then make the time to be able to do that. In a few weeks' time in your connection group, you're going to be doing a Bible meditation. And uh, the particular form of the Bible meditation that we'll be using is an updated version of something that is very old. This type of Bible reading, as far as we can tell, was first used by Benedict, who founded the Benedictines, uh, founded his first monastery in 529 AD. And then it was further developed as a, a system of readings by a guy called Ignatius in the early 1500s, uh, and is often called Lectio Divina. Now, I'm English, so I give it an English name. I call it Bible meditation. We don't need fancy Latin names uh, to try and make it sound more grand than it really is. The Bible is powerful enough on its own. Now, during the Reformation, around the 1500s, many of the beliefs and practices of the monastic orders were thrown out, and quite right too. The monasteries, in many cases, have become very corrupt and immoral, and their beliefs, in many cases, had diverted a long way from what the Bible teaches. And unfortunately, even Ignatius' teaching was flavored in that way. Um, 
But unfortunately, during the Reformation, the Reformed churches threw out the baby with the bathwater. And so what I've tried to do, and many others have done, uh, is to restore some of the helpful practices that have been developed over the centuries, but at the same time getting rid of some of the things that are unhelpfully dated or come with bad theology. So I've been using these Bible meditations for a while, and I'm finding them to be very helpful. Uh, for many years, I, I read large chunks of the Bible, and that was what was appearing on our website. That was what I used to do. And it is important to read big chunks of the Bible. We need to understand what the whole Bible says. You need to be so familiar with the Bible that when you read a passage, you aren't just influenced by that one passage, but you can say, this passage says this, and it fits with this bit over here, and this bit over here, and this bit over here, and then you get the whole picture of what God is saying, rather than just taking a text out of context, which becomes a pretext. But as well as going broad, we need to go deep, and that's what these Bible meditations help us to do. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, by how you encounter God using these Bible meditations. Now, in your connection group, you're just going to do one reading, and it will be slightly different because you'll be doing it all together in one room rather than going off and finding a quiet place on your own and spending some time just engaging with God before you read and so on. But I think you'll still enjoy it. One of the leadership teams started reading these recently and said to me that she was completely blown away by how she encountered God and how much God spoke to her. Uh, so that's why I want to recommend those to you. So the Bible brings life to us. It's not just something that gives us good information, and so we ought to encourage you to, to read that. Second heading is about inner transformation. Let God heal you. What does the Bible say? Well, lots. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Now, the Bible certainly is included in that process. But we find that the battle that comes to us comes from many directions. In November, we're going to switch from seasons of the soul to looking at spiritual warfare for a number of weeks. But our battle not only comes to us from the outside and obviously affects us internally, but a lot of the battle is internally generated. It's our stuff. It's not uh, something that comes from outside. And so Paul encourages us here to change the way that we think. Religion tells us to conform externally, but true freedom comes to us when we allow Jesus to change us from the inside out. That process begins right at the beginning when we invite Jesus into our life. And sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this, how sometimes when somebody surrenders their life to Jesus, you can tell that that's happened because there is an immediate change. And uh, that's what we expect. When we surrender to Jesus, there should be some kind of a difference. And it's not just that we decide not to do things. It's an inner change that has happened. But this process continues right the way through. God never has finished with us. <clears throat> and uh, just as we want to have God's word bringing us life, he also sends his Holy Spirit upon us to bring us inner transformation. As we work through the seasons of the soul and draw closer to Jesus, we start to realize more and more how much we're affected by our brokenness. 
It's when we come into the light that we start to see how grubby we are, not when we're a long way away from the light. So the closer we come to Jesus, the more we realize it. Much of the time, the wounds that we carry feel so normal for us, they're so much a part of who we are that they, we don't even realize that they are wounds. We don't realize the impact that they may have. God has given us some fantastic tools to help us to find freedom from our brokenness, whether that was inflicted by other people or whether it was self-inflicted. So two of the tools that we use in this church are finding freedom and Emmanuel prayer. We're going to be running Finding Freedom in February, just so that you can remember that. It's a weekend where we go through different things like repentance, forgiveness, our family spiritual heritage and what's come down through our family line, spiritual release, soul ties, ungodly beliefs. Those are the kinds of things that we work through. And after doing Finding Freedom, people often say that they feel cleaner, lighter, forgiveness feels more real, they feel closer to Jesus. Uh, Finding Freedom is especially important right at the very beginning of the journey Some people, when they are born again, are carrying so much baggage that unless they they go through something like finding freedom, they'll never make their way into God's family. Uh, And so we need to help people do that. So ideally, we would be running this uh, every couple of weeks, but at the moment, we're doing it annually. Um, But I would really encourage you to, if you haven't done finding freedom for a couple of years, which you won't have done because we didn't run it last year, I would encourage you to come and do it. God speaks to me every single time. I've taught it, um, I don't know, 12, 15, 20 times, something like that. And God speaks to me every single time. The other thing is Emmanuel prayer. This is another wonderful tool we have, which is available all the time. So you don't have to wait for a year or two to do this. And it's based around a one-hour ministry session. It draws us into intimacy with Jesus as the first thing. And then once we've got that we then go and start to look at some of the things that may be uh, painful memories. But we do that in the context of first having deepened our relationship with Jesus. Earlier this year, two memories uh, came up for me which both had to do with fear. And I'd received prayer for these memories many times before, and at each stage God had brought a bit of healing. But on uh, this occasion, God... I think, dealt with the final bit from those memories. First memory was when I went out in my dad's boat. Uh, To me, it seemed incredibly stormy, and the waves were big, but I was very little. And uh, I was certainly younger than 18 months old because we moved away from the coast at that point. And I was absolutely petrified. And uh, uh, as Jesus came to me in the memory... Uh, he was standing in the front of the boat, and he was loving it. And the wind was in his hair, and he was just standing there having an absolute blast. And as, as I looked at him, the fear just faded away completely. And uh, one of the reasons I think that the memory has been finally dealt with is, is that we, we talk about the memory, um, in the memory, Jesus filling the whole picture. And uh, it was, that was what happened for me. The other one was just after I'd learned to walk, and I fell face down in a pond and nearly drowned. Um, so I never, as I was growing up, I couldn't work out why I was so afraid of water. But anyway, that was why. And uh, as I received prayer, Jesus 
took me back into that memory. I could feel myself face down in the water, but all the fear had gone because underneath me, holding me, was Jesus' hand. And I felt so safe and so secure there that I felt like I could stay there forever. It was, I was fine. I was, you know, the fear had gone. There was no power in the memory anymore. So if you want that kind of ministry, if you uh, would like to uh, sign up for that kind of thing, firstly, you need to be in a connection group. Connection group is like putting a plant into soil. And that's, uh, that's where it needs to be. And then after that, you can fertilize it, you can spray it, and so on. Um, but if the plant isn't in soil, there's no good putting fertilizer on it. And it's the same way with us. If we're not in a connection group, we can pray for you. We can give you umpteen ministry sessions. They're really not going to do you much good uh, unless you've got your roots in the soil as well. So be in a connection group, and then we can help you. Um, contact the office, and Ellie will uh, line everything up for you. So Finding Freedom and Emmanuel Prayer, both of them absolutely brilliant. Last week I mentioned how often uh, in, at the end of season three, the beginning of season four, we hit the wall, and Emmanuel prayer is particularly helpful at that point. It's useful right the way through, just get as much of it as you can, but it's, important, it's really important during that really dark time to press in to relationship, to press into the Bible, and to press into these kinds of healing opportunities. The third and last thing is uh, spiritual disciplines. Let God equip you. When I was in my teens, my dad gave me a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. I don't know whether you've come across that. It's, uh, for me, it became foundational and gave me some wonderful tools to be able to maximize uh, my times of drawing close to God. And these tools are often called spiritual disciplines, which makes them sound a lot more scary than they really are. They are simply ways of drawing close to God that deepen our spiritual experience and have been proven by many people over the centuries. So they're based upon what Jesus did. So let's quickly run through a few things Jesus did. So Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. So, and we know that this was a regular practice of Jesus. Uh, so it was a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice that he did, getting away from the crowds, taking some time in solitude to be able to chat to his heavenly Father to pray. So we have the practices there of solitude and prayer. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus went to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So as a traveling rabbi, people look to him to read from Scripture and then to speak. And so we're told here it's Jesus' custom to his regular practice to worship together in community with other believers. And uh, we know that teaching from the Bible was an important part of that as well. So we have the practices of community, worship, and Bible teaching. Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, we don't have an actual account of Jesus fasting, but we certainly do have him encouraging his followers to do that. Uh, so here we see practices of simplicity, solitude, and fasting. Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus said, You should tithe, 
but do not neglect the more important things like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So another powerful practice of tithing. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confessing our sin to each other is a humbling experience. But confessing and humbling ourselves are very good for us and they're important parts of helping us to be able to grow. And so there, you, just in that verse, you have the practices of repentance, confession, accountability, and prayer. So in your connection groups this week, you'll be looking at these spiritual disciplines or practices. Richard Foster splits them into three areas uh, that's going to come up on the screen. It's not a complete list, but it's a great place to start. And because time's running short, we're not going to run through those. Uh, I've got a book called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, It lists 75 different practices, so there's a lot there. Uh, One of the ones that uh, I've been thinking about recently is the the spiritual discipline of joy. Now, you may think that joy is more of an emotion than a discipline, but actually it is a discipline. It's something that we choose to do. We choose to reject the negative thoughts. You know, Paul was telling us in Romans 12, take every thought captive uh, and get rid of the old stuff. And uh, so joy becomes a discipline for us. We choose to celebrate God's goodness in each situation. We choose to thank him, and we choose to get rid of every negative and critical thought. And as we choose to do that, then the emotion of joy starts to come in as well. I think if we're able to build these practices into our regular routine, that they will help us to be able to draw close to Jesus And they will help us to progress well on that journey because it is possible to get stuck. But these are different things that God gives us. The Bible, uh, the things like Emmanuel Prayer and Finding Freedom, and then these different spiritual disciplines, they will help us to progress well. Uh, They're important in every season of the soul. Uh, They help us not to get stuck. They help us to grow. If you think you've got stuck at any point on the journey, just come and have a chat and I'll see if I've got any suggestions that will help me to get you moving again. God wants to walk with us and for us to be able to draw close to him, to be able to receive all the life that he designed us for and to receive the full benefit of his death and resurrection. There is so much more that God has for us than we are currently experiencing. And if we are to grow and become more like Jesus in our attitudes and responses, it means allowing God to change and heal us and to cooperate with him in that process. God sends his Holy Spirit upon us, not just so that we can have fun meetings together, but so that we can thrive on our spiritual journey and that inner transformation can take place. I mentioned Ephesians 4.13 just earlier. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. When God thought about you before you were born, he had a fantastic plan for your life. And there are many aspects to that plan, to do with careers and work and places to live and all those wonderful things that God gives us. But one important part is that each one of us would grow spiritually and become mature so that we become like Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we all become clones of each other. 
in fact, just the opposite. Uh, it's about allowing the Holy Spirit to come and fill us in such a way that we become, we come to the maturity of who God designed us to be, and we uh, become fully the person that God designed us for, unique in our personality, our character, our gifts, and our calling. And so there's an incredible freedom there. So you can get life through the Bible reading. You can get healing through finding freedom and Emmanuel prayer. You can go deeper with the spiritual practices. Changed, healed, and equipped. And that's what this journey is all about. And that's what we're about as a church as well, helping each other on this journey, as well as reaching out and helping other people to experience the life of God as well. One of the important things also that, uh, is, that helps us to grow are connection groups. Being in a group of people, uh, finding that place where you can be accountable and let the barriers down. And if you've not registered for a connection group this term, it's not too late. Uh, Robin and Carol have space in their group. They would love to uh, have you coming along to their group as well. So have a chat with them afterwards. So let's stand together. The Bible says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And Father, that's what we want. We want our attention to be on you. And we know that there are important things that we have to deal with, to do with uh, relationships and work and finances and all that, but we just want to place all that in your hands now and we want to fix our attention on you we want to be so engaged with you that all those other things just naturally fit into place thank you for your promise that if we seek you and put you first that you will take care of everything and so Holy Spirit we place these things in your hands this morning we ask that you'd help us on this journey that you'd help us to grow that you'd help us to become more and more like Jesus that you bring healing to us from the inside out, that you transform us, that your word would become alive to us in a way that it hasn't been before. And I pray, Father, for those who feel really stuck in reading the Bible, whether reading the Bible just feels like words on a page. And I ask, Lord, that you would open uh, the, the, the Bible to them so that it becomes life, that it becomes meat and drink to them, that you'd increase their hunger to read your word and understand what you're saying. Pray for those who are finding it difficult to chat to you in prayer and ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts again to be able to be aware of you, to talk to you, to hear from you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come deeper into our lives. And as we do that, we ask that you would release more of your gifts upon us, those wonderful gifts and abilities that you designed for us, that you planted in us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd make, those more, make us more and more effective in using those to bless other people, to be outward looking in the love that you give us. So may God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and lead you in peace this week. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to formally close now, but God hasn't finished. If you would like to receive prayer for any reason, it may be something that's been mentioned, it may just be something that's been on your mind, on your heart this week, we would love to pray for you. God is here to bring physical healing as well as in inner transformation, and uh, he's interested in every detail of our lives. So if you'd like prayer, grab somebody near you or come down to the front, and we'll link you, link you up with, uh, with someone. Um, and then when you've finished, there's uh, more coffee and other drinks and nibbles downstairs. So God bless you. Great to have you here today. Have a wonderful week.